Hello and welcome to the Best Boys Podcast. I'm Best Boy Dan. And I'm coming to you from an undisclosed location under the assumed name James Hickok. <laughs> I, that wasn't the name you had yesterday. No, I couldn't remember the name I had yesterday, so this is the I think name it was, I have today. I think it was Beefcock. <laughs> Beef, it was not Beefcock. It was an actual name. I'm pretty sure. Best Boy Justin was a little shwasty at uh, a baseball game last night and was yelling out that his name was like James Beefcock. I, I, it was absolutely not Beefcock. You made that part up. It was an actual name. I, I'm like 95% positive it's Beefcock. Well, anyway. I'm 100% positive you're wrong. <laughs> We are not a Beefcock podcast. We are actually an anime podcast, uh, and we have a whole bunch of fun things for you today. Today we are diving into the rich world of shogi, um, which is kind of like Japanese chess, maybe. I don't know. We're going to find out a little bit later. Uh, it's definitely less problematic than chess. Mm, that's um, <laughs> actually not true. Oh, really? Oh, great. <laughs> I can't wait. Because <laughs> chess is way messed up. So, yeah. I mean, it's probably uh, a little less problematic than chess, but... Oh, either way, it sounds like it'll be a good story. Um, but up first, uh, we're going to hit you with a little bit of banter. Uh, I know I got some, some manga I need to talk about. And then uh, in the news section, we have a whole bunch of fun announcements for y'all. So definitely stick around for that. And uh, up first, Best Boy Justin, have you heard of Sakamoto Days? I am familiar with the name, Um the manga reader app that I use, uh, Manga Plus, is very invested in getting me to read it, but I have yet to do so. So I, I feel I feel very similarly. This is just a manga that has just been in my orbit for as long as I can remember. Um, and I, I finally uh, broke down and got the first volume. Um, and I, th I think you would really enjoy it. Um, you're pretty familiar with the premise because um, it's very similar to House Husband. Okay. Um, but basically, it's like uh, Yakuza member falls in love, leaves the life, uh, and uh, opens up like a, uh, you know, like little grocery mart um, and like just settles down with his wife and daughter. Uh, he like puts That's on a bunch of weight. That's what I'm going to do um, when I leave the Yakuza. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in more of like a John Wick turn, uh, the uh, assassin world can't handle him leaving. Uh, so they put a bounty out on his head. And so it's basically oh. about him trying to maintain his kind of like family life while fighting off a bunch of assassins. And it's just like, it's kind of like a cute, fun funny version of that when you said um, it took a john wick turn i was like oh so they murder his wife and child no no, no. they're they're very much alive <laughs> um it, it's like it's uh it's a it's a a john wick but not tragic <laughs> like okay. john wick but a comedy <laughs> gotcha john wick was a comedy um, i laughed <laughs> different kind of comedy um but yeah, uh, it's pretty fun. Uh, I'm enjoying it so far. Th this is another one that to me is like, I don't know how it hasn't been turned into an anime. I think it's only a matter of time. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
I'll have to check it out. Um, but uh, this is one that I, I think, Best Boy Justin, you would enjoy, too. It, it's a little bit more on, like, the, like, action comedy side. But, like, it, it does have some, like, kind of slice of life bits to it. Because, like, they, they just kind of, like, you know, between assassins trying to take out uh, them. Like, they have, like, little slice of life stuff going on in the supermarket, which is pretty fun. Oh, neat. Where can our listeners... Read Sakamoto Days, Best Boy Dad. It's it's pretty much anywhere. It's on uh, digital. Um, I I don't know which um, platform it's on in terms of like uh, is, Shonen Jump or, or any it, of those. If I'm remembering correctly, it is on Manga Plus, Shonen Jump, and also Viz. Um. So. Um, oh yeah, it's it's definitely on uh, uh, Shonen Jump. Um. So I would imagine it's on Viz as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, worth checking out. It's also, uh, available in print. I think they have like 10 or 11 volumes out. Um, so yeah, if you're looking for a good series to get into, would recommend, uh, speaking of good series, uh, I've also had kind of an, an interest recently in going back to manga of shows that I don't think are going to get future seasons and i really want to know the stories too mm-hmm. um so i picked up uh doro hey doro um march comes in like a lion uh and the one that i want to talk about uh chia Hayafuru, um because chia Hayafuru is not available in print in the united states no oh. it is only available digitally through like uh, Barnes and Noble or like Amazon Kindle, mm-hmm. uh, and there's there's like twenty odd volumes of it, so there's there is a lot too. Uh, but I just found that really interesting that th- we are getting these titles from book publishers, but only digitally, or maybe not book publishers, but like book vendors, right? Like yeah. Physical book vendors typically. Um, <clears throat> So just just kind of interesting that that for that particular um, property, that's how it's been kind of licensed out to the West. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's interesting. The the art style is actually really different than the show. Oh yeah. Um, which has kind of thrown me off. Um, so I haven't actually read that one yet because uh, I've been in Sakamoto Days land, but. Uh, I'll let you know how that one turns out. Yeah, let me know. I'm curious. I mean, I think that's probably something we're going to see a lot more going forward um, is manga that are going to be getting like English releases digitally, but not physically. Um, just because, I mean, like, yeah, I have to imagine it costs so much less. Yeah, it's cost effective. And, you know, for for manga that they that they aren't like assured are going to be huge hits, it seems like a good way to go. Um, yeah. If they're gonna, I mean, I was happy. I was like, I, I was happy that I could even find it because it was one of those ones where I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to find this legally anywhere. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you did. Yeah, and then speaking of a show that I really want to get another season of, mm-hmm. uh, I figure we'll wrap up my little banter section with my check-in uh, with Epo because. I tore through it. Um, I just had like a lot of like little projects to do, and Epo is available in dub uh, on YouTube. Uh, 
um, which I don't think is legal, so I'm not officially recommending it, but it's literally they have the first 76 episodes the entire first season there, mm. uh, and it's the only place to find it dubbed. Um, it's, it's like, actually a pretty decent dub, um, but, like, the dialogue is just a little stilted. Um, but I'm almost done with the first season. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, right now is the Sendo, um, Vorg fight, uh, for the title match after, um, Ippo loses to Date. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I, it, watching this show, there are, there are two things that stick out. Just how much they talk about Ippo's penis. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's a lot. It's it's a lot more than and, and I remember so is his the penis. first time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but also, God, they just, they nail the slow progression, the training arc, fight, training arc, fight, rotation. It just works so well for boxing. Mm-hmm. Um well, because, I mean, that's kind of how boxing, you know, the, the, the natural rhythm of how the sport goes, you know? Yeah, and, and just taking a person from nothing to, you know, the Japanese, you know, champion, and, and eventually, I assume, like, you know, fighting for the world title, like, it it makes sense and it is it is a ride you can follow and like the the whole kind of thing with i think any of these like shonen type stories is you know we use the word like power fantasy it's essentially what it is like you you're always like kind of putting yourself in the position of the protagonist and and ipo just makes that so accessible because you're just in there from the beginning and you see him work up and and it's because it's like something humans can actually achieve like it makes you feel like you can do it it's just it's such an like a show that gets you involved in it which is what i think makes it so great so i'm really i'm excited for us to eventually do our episode on it which is still a long ways off best buds (laughs) yeah because i i don't have time to watch it right now No, um, but it's something to look forward to for the future. Absolutely. And you know what else you can look forward to for the future? My banter section, <coughs> which is pretty light. Um, again, I haven't had a whole lot of time to watch a, a ton of stuff um, this past couple of weeks. But uh, one thing I have been catching up on and I, I did want to talk about uh, briefly, um, a show from like two seasons ago, you guys might remember uh, Eminence and Shadow. Dan, do you remember this one? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I never quite finished it. I had like six episodes left because it 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 was one of those where it didn't go, it didn't go a full season, but it went more than a than a single core. So it was like twenty episodes instead of twelve or twenty four. Um. And when the new season dropped, I got so distracted watching everything else that I forgot to finish it. Um, so I'm working on finishing it now. I think I'm like three episodes away from the first season. The reason why I was so interested in finishing it is because it did recently get approved for a season two um, fairly no, soon, if I'm remembering off. correctly. Um, 
Yeah, and it really did. You know, they had the mobile game, which was very popular. Interestingly enough, uh, the mobile game advertising on Crunchyroll, even though the anime is airing on High Dive. Um, Hmm. Yeah, so that's an interesting uh, interaction. But uh, the show itself is is really good. Um, I I liked it when I watched it. Like I said, the only reason I didn't finish it was because it went like for so many episodes after the end of the season. um, And I just got distracted. But it's a really good mix of like comedy and action and storyline like the the story is ridiculous and it is at its core like if you break it down to its constituent parts it's an isekai harem but i think it's done in a funny enough and interesting enough way um that it, it works in spite of that um and I, you know, I just I've, I've been really enjoying it. I I've, I think I'm 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 like three episodes from the end of the first season, um, and the story is getting really interesting. Um, so I just wanted to to shout out that show. Um, you know, in case if you if you also started watching it and then just kind of left it behind after the new season, um, you know, this is your your uh, your reminder that it exists and that you can watch it the rest of it um, on High Dive. And uh, there's a new season coming out, so there will be more of it if you did enjoy um, Eminence and Shadow. Or maybe you played the game. Uh, I didn't, but someone did. Um, Yeah. So that is one that I definitely want to check out. But I also want to ambush you with a question. Oh, no. Are you ready for this? Also, this is going to be spoilers. For what? I I finished G-Witch. Mmm. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it too. Um, it's interesting. There was a passage um, from the Tempest that somebody posted. Um, you know what I think the issue is? What's that? That the show could have gone so many different directions. And I don't think it went any of the ones that people were expecting, but people built up different kind of complicated storylines in their mind. Yeah. And when it wasn't that, they were like, but I wanted to see that thing that I made up and not the thing that you were actually telling me. Right, yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, because basically, like I said, this is just a Gundam version of The Tempest. Um, Yeah. uh, Hold on, my charms... But also, I don't know how her mom was just <laughs> allowed to to just like live out her life in peace. <laughs> well, that's the <laughs> that's kind of that's exactly the, a lot of people. Oh, here it is. That's exactly the reason why um, I like this um, this quote. Um, which comes from the epilogue at Act 5, uh, spoken by Prospero. Now my charms are all overthrown, and what strength I have is mine own, which is most faint. Now tis true, I must be here confined by you. Um, and it's basically where Prospero is talking about how um, he has to, you know, he's 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 basically all out of, uh, all out of tricks, Um but it goes on, you know, later on in the, the at the end, um, it says, and my ending is despair unless I be relieved by prayer, which pierces so that it assaults mercy itself and frees all faults. 
as you from crimes would pardon be, let your indulgence set me free. Um, so basically, it, he's kind of talking about how he doesn't have any power left. He's used up all of his 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 his, um, his tricks. His tricks, yeah. At the end, and he's basically left with his own power, which is fading. Um, and I think that that's that's you know kind of what we're seeing with Prospera at the end. Um, you know, she doesn't have any more tricks up her sleeve. She's her her punishment is living out her life without, you know, any of the power that she used to have. Um, but it's not about punishment. It's actually about um, redemption. And I think that's one of the important themes for the for the end of the show is choosing redemption over revenge, um, choosing empathy over greed. Um, so I think it fits. I think it works really well. I do. I really like that. Um, that view of it, because it, it, it kind of makes it all worth it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I won't take credit for that. I, I found that in a forum post. Um, I don't remember where I think probably read it. But, you know, the, the parallels to The Tempest are, are there and they are on purpose. Um, and I feel like that also includes the way it ends. Um, I think the way it ends is great. Um, it's not great. I won't say great. I think it's good. Um, and like, like you said, I think people who were disappointed about it in very seriously were more trying to tell the story that they wanted to hear as opposed to the story that was being told. Um, I did. I do wish that they kissed at the end. That would have made me happy. Um, <laughs> I mean, there was there was some uncensored. Oh, yeah. Hand holding. Oh, there was just absolutely was... unadulterated hand holding. Um, oh, sloppy wet and well i don't know if it was wet but um but yeah so i those feel are... like suleta has has sweaty palms oh definitely yeah although not the suleta that we see at the end the suleta that we see at the end no. is an interesting character because she's very um she's sure very mature herself. she's very sure of herself she has a you know she clearly has a, a goal that she's working towards and things that she wants to do um and it's interesting that like her and Mirin don't spend they're, they're not depicted as spending like every day together for the rest of their lives. They have their own things that they have to do. Um, and they do them, you know, even though they're not together, they do them with each other in mind. Um, and they, you know, when they when they are together, they seem very happy and mature, but they don't need to be together all the time. You know, which is important in a relationship. But uh, also, uh, I will say, <laughs> I never um, look at the comments. But for some reason, I was reading the comments of that episode on Crunchyroll. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was a lot of them. But they almost all of them were like about, wait, are they engaged or are they married? Uh, <clears throat> but definitively, they refer to uh, Ari as her sister-in-law. Yeah, so they are married, I think. So um, they're married. It is implied. So I, I was also looking for a ring at the end because that yeah. would have been the ultimate like. They had a ring. Did they? I don't think so. I don't remember seeing. Oh, one. no, they I 100 percent. They had a ring because I, I noticed it and I was like, oh, they have a ring. Go back and find that for me and screenshot it so I can look. I absolutely um, will right now. I'm on it. <laughs> Let's go. Um, but yeah, so that's that's my that's the 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 Cliff's Notes version of my thoughts on the end of the Witch for Mercury. And we'll. Who's Cliff? Uh, he's he makes notes. Um, and we'll talk about it more at length uh, on our Gundam episode, which will probably happen after 
sometime this summer after the tsunami and the epo <laughs> no i feel like well I'm, we're better i think we're better equipped to do this one because we were just really waiting for the for this to finish because you know we yeah. didn't really know until the end if there was going to be a season two or anything like that but yeah that um, is true i i i think there is room for a season two if they wanted to maybe a prequel season also would be interesting um yeah you could do prequel i would love to see like kind of more about that like original like from the um uh like premiere episode the like episode zero yeah um, um but i i think i would like to see like five years into the future once the like benerick group like tries to like retake all the assets or something like that mm-hmm. all right yeah um, and then you have like adults like them disgusting um <laughs> But yeah, so that's that. I don't know. You can leave it in or take it out. Editor Best Boy Dan can find a way to make it sound good. Um, But with all that being covered, whatever that is, um, I think it's time for us to check in with Studio WEB for some anime news. That's right, best buds. We got all the anime news you can squirt onto a hot dog. Ew! A hot dog eating contest uh, that is run by a vaguely racist person. Ew! I hated that. Maybe I think he's (laughs) actually. I think he's all the way racist. I don't remember the whole story. I just remember that he's not a good person. Yeah. Um. Crunchyroll announced that it will be streaming 15 Dragon Ball anime films in three batches between June 22nd and July 6th. Never heard of it. Probably already streaming by the time that you hear this. Um, Though I do think it's interesting that they're split up. Um, They include almost all of the Dragon Ball Z films except for uh, Battle of the Gods, which was basically adapted into the first season of Dragon Ball Super anyway. Um, But... In the first batch, they are releasing Dead Zone, The World's Strongest, The Tree of Might, Lord Slug, Cooler's Revenge, The Return of Cooler, and Super Android 13. Um, basically, Dead Zone and The Tree of Might are the only good ones in that batch. Uh, <laughs> uh, in the second batch, you get Broly, The Legendary Super Saiyan, Bojack Unbound, Broly, Second Coming... Bio Broly, Fusion Reborn, and Wrath of the Dragon. Um, the first Broly movie is pretty good. Is it Bojack uh, Horseman? Then... <laughs> Bojack Unbound. Yeah, it's uh, where Goku fights a horse. Yeah. Uh, definitely worth watching. And then on July 6th, you get Resurrection F uh, and Dragon Ball Super Broly, which was also pretty good uh, and made a whole ton of money. Um. But yeah, uh, it's also weird uh, because it, it's kind of being split up. So um, the first two batches are available in the United States, Canada, Latin America, Australia, New Zealand. Um, and the uh, third batch of films will be available in all of those places, but also in German-speaking European countries and French-speaking that's, European countries and Africa. That's a weird way to word three countries. <laughs> Yeah. So, it, <laughs> what is it? Germany, Austria, and France. France. No, there's one more. Belgium. Yeah, because it's German speaking and French speaking. Oh, and Belgium. Yeah. Yeah. So, like four countries and Africa and Africa, get, where they also speak a lot. Get of Resurrection F and and Dragon Ball Super Broly. Okay, good for them. 
I mean, yeah, I've never heard not, of this show before, but movies. <laughs> um, it see they have a lot of movies, so it seems like it's probably pretty good or something. Yeah. Um, also, to continue my my Shonen Street, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about my hero uh, and I know Toho animation. Hero. Crunchyroll, the NBA, NBA Lab, and Hyperfly are coming together to produce a series of NBA slash My Hero Academia apparel items. This collaboration will see characters from My Hero Academia appearing on merchandise of nine NBA teams, the Boston Celtics, Chicago Bulls, Dallas Mavericks, Golden State Warriors, Los Angeles Lakers, Miami Heat, New York Knicks, Philadelphia 76ers, and Portland Trailblazers. A special selection of items will be available for purchase exclusively at the upcoming NBA Con in Las Vegas from July 7th to uh, to July 9th. Uh, it will feature All Might on t-shirts for the Chicago Bulls, Golden State Warriors, Los Angeles Lakers, and New York Knicks. The initial retail launch uh, is coming this fall and will feature All Might on t-shirts, hoodies, uh, and satin jackets. Ooh. <laughs> These items will be available for purchase through the Crunchyroll store, Hyperfly.com, NBA store, and Lids.com. The U.S. and Canada uh, on the NBA store.jp in Japan. Um, this is, I think, pretty big. Uh, an NBA My Hero crossover that they're going to be selling on, like, NBA.com. It's just, like, it's it, it shows how this is kind of pervade culture. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting um, because you know I don't really know anything about basketball, but I know it's popular. Um, but no, the, the like it's interesting that instead of a sports anime getting a very prominent crossover with whatever sport it's in, we have my hero instead. So I think that yeah, speaks a this, lot. It's to, not a slam dunk, you know, NBA crossover. Yeah, especially because slam dunk is really big right now. Um, also, but not in the West, but not in the West. Um, so yeah, my hero coming to NBA. I think that'll be cool. Um, I wonder if they'll wear anything on the court. That would be kind of cool. But I don't think, I don't think most basketball players are into anime. I know I there is know. one. There is one who's very prominently into anime. I, I don't you remember figure who like is, they're but, all like pretty young guys like i wouldn't be surprised if if a lot of them were like into like my hero and stuff i think a lot I mean, I guess is we'll a stretch see. but i wouldn't be surprised if some of them were yeah um but yeah I, I i think it'll be interesting i i kind of think that like a jersey with like some my hero flair would actually be kind of cool to wear yeah. <laughs> i'm not really into basketball which um, which which my hero character would you want to be the anime mascot of the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets. Um, it would probably have to be like best genus or Ooh, um, okay. like the or like the um, plant hair girl. Okay, I was thinking it right, would be because the, they can both make nets. <laughs> well, I was thinking it would be the guy who can make tape from his elbows because he's similar to Spider Man. <laughs> that uh, that guy still grosses me out so much. His elbows must be disgusting and just filled with like dirt stuck to like the little crevice. I'm where the sure tape he comes cleans out. his elbow holes. Okay, Dan. Uh, he's uh, <laughs> Wish.com Japanese Spider Man. All right, leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs> we we have a spider-man at home kids yes <laughs> spider-man at home 
Oh, Spider-Man. So, uh, Pokemon is getting its own Japanese festival. Taking place over the Obon holidays, Pokemon Summer Festival Park will feature many familiar Obon Festival sites and activities, but with a Pokemon twist. At the center of the festival grounds, uh, we'll have a tower that holds a giant Pokeball and Taiko drummers. Encircling the tower, we'll have a massive traditional bond dance to music from Pokemon games, and attendees are welcome to join in. Pokemon music also slaps. Um... The surrounding stalls will have numerous Pokemon-themed games like Magikarp fishing and Pokeball throwing. Uh, Pokemon Summer Festival Park will take place at Rinko Park in Yokohama, Japan from August 11th to August 14th, 2023. Um, uh, This sounds like so much fun. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, Right? Like, because I've seen pictures of it too and like it looks like if you went to a like Japanese festival in the Pokemon world, uh, and like that's just kind of like <laughs> I'm a, a dream <laughs> come true. When are we going? Uh, August 11th, August 14th. Let's go. Let's go. I'll get off work. Um, yeah. Uh, and then to wrap up my section, uh, we're gonna dig into some numbers with Dan. With whom? Numbers with Dan. With Dan. Whom's Dan is this? Uh, <laughs> this best boy Dan. Um, Idol, Yaosubi's opening theme for the television it. anime of Aka Akasaka and Mango Yokoyari's Oshinoko manga has ranked number seven in the U.S. Billboard Global 200 chart. That's This wild. marks the highest ranking of a Japanese artist has ever achieved in the chart's history. The song had ranked number one in the Billboard Global uh, exclusive U.S. chart dated June 10th. It is the first... A uh, song originally performed in Japanese to reach the top of the uh, global exclusive U.S. chart. The original Japanese version has reached top 10, which debuted uh, six weeks earlier. The English version then debuted on May 26, bringing the song up to number six on the chart. The song also has reached number one on Apple Music's top 100 global charts as of June 21st. It is weird to me that the English version has... Uh, done that well and is probably just saying something about like us's ability to listen to songs in different languages because the the japanese version is much better oh yeah no japanese flow to the song i i accidentally clicked on the english version on itunes once and it was just like oh no this is weird (laughs) it is it is weird i don't i don't like because it music doesn't work that way i don't like english translations of japanese songs it never works it's not that's not how like language works it's not how music works i don't like it yeah i i think what is nice is that i'm pretty sure it is sung by yasobi in english so it at least sounds cadence wise right um the just the words don't flow the same um 
but it, it's also a testament to just how good that song is that even so it's still crushing it over here in the states um Moving over to movies, uh, Rascal does not dream of a sister venturing out. I'm so excited to see. Me too. Uh, the first of two sequel anime films based on Hajime Komashida's uh, light novel series earned uh, 175 million yen, or about 1.28 million dollars, and sold uh, 120,000 tickets in its first three days uh, to rank at number four for its opening weekend. The sequel anime adapts the eighth and ninth novels of the franchise Rascal Does Not Dream of a Sister Venturing Out and Rascal Does Not Dream of a Knapsack Kid. Uh, Soichi Masui is returning to direct the project at Cloverworks. Uh, Masahiro Yokotani is also back for compositions and script. Uh, and Satomi Tamura is returning as the character designer. Um, I'm so excited about this and you know 1.28 million is not like usually the big numbers we kind of talk about in this segment um but i think for what this show is which is not like you know one piece red yeah right this is you know rascal um like it's it's kind of a, a niche you know comedy drama coming of age like thing um you know it's it, it's a very kind of like specific thing, but I think that's pretty like 1.28 million is absolutely nothing to scoff at. There are, there are independent films in the U S that are not even doing those numbers and we have a much larger movie base. So I think it's I, also, I think that's, it's also huge. wild when you consider the fact that like, when was the last time a bunny girl senpai movie came out? Like it's been years um, oh yeah, like five, six years maybe. So for it to do those kind of numbers as a sequel film that many years later, like not bad. Yeah, and there's another one coming out later this year. So I, you know, more Rascal is good Rascal. Yes, <laughs> except when it makes me um, cry. <laughs> uh, also in movies, Detective Conan or Iron Submarine. Too soon. Oh, <laughs> do you guys remember that time a bunch of billionaires died in a submersible? The 26th film in the Detective Conan franchise has earned 13 billion yen or about 91.7 million dollars. So, you know, a little other side of the money spectrum surpassing Jurassic Park to become the 25th highest earning film of all time in Japan. Uh, the film has sold 9.26 million tickets. Uh, first off, Japan, I, I don't care how good Detective Conan is. It's not better than Jurassic Park. What are you doing? <laughs> Although I do kind of now want to watch Jurassic Park in Japanese. <laughs> yeah, just like uh, dubbed in Japanese. Yeah, <laughs> with English subtitles. <laughs> um. The film opened in Japan on April 14th and sold 2.17 million tickets to earn approximately 3.14 billion yen, or about 23.4 million US dollars in its first three days, making it the best three-day opening for the franchise. The film is the first of the franchise to earn more than 10 billion yen. The film story takes place on the Hachijo 
Jima uh, Island of central Tokyo. Many engineers from around the world gather to witness the launch of a new system that connects all law enforcement cameras systems around the world and enables facial recognition worldwide. Doesn't sound bad at all. Uh, Conan also heads there with uh, an invitation from Sunoco. He receives a message from Subaru Okia who says the Europol agent has been murdered in Germany by the black organization's gin, perturbed. <laughs> oh, he's perturbed at that murder. Conan tours the new facility just in time for black organization to kidnap a female engineer seeking an important data on her USB drive. Um, yeah. So, uh, Detective Conan crushing it at its 20, what, sixth film? So, yeah. I mean, uh, that's. That is a franchise I will never understand how it is as big as it is. Me neither, because also Conan uh, has been an elementary schooler. Like, people give Ash Ketchum shit for being, like, 11 years old for, like, 20 <laughs> years. But, like, Conan has been an elementary schooler for, like, three decades. Didn't he get turned into an elementary schooler? Y- yeah, but you would think he'd still age. Yeah, right? He should be his normal age by now, if right? not older. Seriously. <laughs> Also, that's a missed opportunity for like a reboot where like he he is still so he's mentally twice his normal age, but he has aged into what his normal body would have been if he wasn't like when oh he God, was transformed his brain back starts into a deteriorating child. because yeah. it's such an advanced age and but he's in a young man's body and it's all about how his love is slowly watching him slip away. Yeah, something just become a shell. Something depressing like that. <laughs> Uh, Shueisa announced on Thursday that as of the release of the 23rd volume of Gigi Akutami's Jujutsu Kaisen manga on July 4th, the manga will have 80 million copies in circulation. Uh, This number includes... 80 million copies? It'll have... Oh my god, 80 million. Play the music editor, best boy Dan. Um, that number includes both print and digital copies. Uh, it is important to note that, um, because they are in circulation, that does not mean they have been sold. Uh, that just means like how many have been printed and are out in the wild. Yeah. Um, but usually like, you know, you don't have, you know, 70 million copies just lying around. Right. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. There are some, Um, no, I'm not going to say that. (laughs) No, it's not like E.T. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I would say get ready. It's coming back real soon. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was actually, like, a little foreshadowing. I was talking with uh, Best Boy Brian, um, and he was kind of lamenting that the upcoming season is just full of all, like, isekai, generic isekais, which is a thing he does not enjoy. Um, and I said, well, you know, well, uh, we also have Jujutsu Kaisen coming back, so that's something to look forward to. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it's... I, I am shocked with how much Jujutsu Kaisen popped off. Yeah, I'm shocked and happy because like, I liked that show. Like more than Chainsaw Man, which definitely surprised me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um so yeah, it's coming. Get ready. <laughs> it'll be coming round the mountain. Right, I'm not gonna sing that. Ah, uh, and before I relinquish the mic back to Best Boy Justin, we have some upcoming announcements, and I'm 
super excited about these. Uh, in July, uh, you will be able to stream the Dragon Ball Super superhero film on the 12th uh, on Crunchyroll. Um, so those who didn't see it, uh, apparently it's pretty good. Um, it's like Gohan and Piccolo or something. Uh, or something. Looking yeah, looking ahead uh, to our fall season, uh, Shy uh, Anime has revealed a promo video uh, saying that it's going to be premiering in October. Is, is this the one with the vodka I'm, girl? This is the one with the vodka girl. Yes. I'm so excited for that. It, it's like, uh, it's kind of a darker take on the kind of superhero story. Think more like, um, maybe not as, as much as like the boys, um, but like kind of that more tone. Right. Okay. Uh, also in October, uh, there's going to be a second season of uh, Kizunu no i um which blows my mind i i don't think that show did well um i don't even know what it is maybe they had this planned that's we watched it this season (laughs) it was the um the idol one the idol school oh yeah missable yeah um so yeah that's getting a second season shockingly uh, Ancient Magus Bride second season is getting a part two in October 5th. Uh, and High Dive is streaming the uh, Eminence in Shadow season two in October. So uh, that's right around the corner. Uh, finally, in September, we are getting Firefighter uh, Daigo, Rescuer in Orange. Uh, and uh, that's coming right at September 30th. Yeah, sounds pretty cool. Uh, I'm going to take over now for the announcements because it's my turn. I have the power. Anyway, uh, coming in December, my uh, next life as a villainous, all roots lead to doom. Uh, the film has really uh, revealed a December 8th premiere. So that's something to keep forward. Keep in mind. Um, and then we're going to look a little bit forward uh, into 2024. Um, we have bottom tier character Tomozaki's uh, second stage anime. Um, has unveiled a January 2024 premiere, uh, as well as Hokkaido Gals are super adorable, the TV anime, uh, also in January yes. 2024. Um, oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, that one's going to be really, really good. Um, I can't wait for it. Um, I also very, very much look forward to Hokkaido the Ga- every week. Hokkaido Gals are, in fact, super adorable. I know, right? It's almost like they told you in the title. Um <laughs> And then we have Gundam Seed Freedom. Uh, the anime film uh, it has announced a January 26th, uh, 2024 debut. Um, I don't know anything about this film, to be honest with you. Uh, I was going to take some time to look it up before I talked about it, but I'm a hack and a fraud, and uh, I didn't. So um, keep, in, keep, keep that in your back of your mind or something. I don't know. Um, and then also the new Spice and Wolf TV anime has revealed a 2024 debut with returning cast. Um, Best Boy Dan, you should really check out Spice and Wolf, the original one, because it was really good. Um, And I'm really excited for for this. I believe it's actually a reboot. Um, So I don't know. Um, But I'm excited for more Spice and Wolf because it's super cute and interesting. Um, You didn't have time to look it up because you were too busy telling a child getting onto a roller coaster that their lock was loose. (laughs) I did do that, didn't I? (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that until just now. She wasn't a child. She was a teenager. Justin's like, 
hey, your thing's not attached right. No. And then the coaster goes off. No, I said, hey, your harness is loose. <laughs> uh, I'm an asshole. Uh, anyway, some, uh, finally looking forward into someday in the far or near future, Oshinoko has been announced for a second season. We do not have a date yet, but it is coming. Um, Which is A, good. I mean, it was obvious that that was happening, but I, they need to get on that because that was not a fun, like it was just a eh, place to leave it. Yeah, I think I'm a couple episodes behind, but now that it's over, I'll probably binge it um, this weekend or something. Um, but it's good. You could kind of just tell they're like, okay, we don't want to get into the next arc yet. Yeah, they're 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 buying time. Yeah. Okay. Um, moving on back into some uh, some solid anime news territory. Uh, I'm gonna kick things off with some Gundam news. What's this? Gundam. <laughs> That's right, Best Buds. Bandai Namco Filmworks has posted the teaser promotional video for the new animation project, Mobile Suit Gundam Requiem for Vengeance, and given more details on its release format and story. Um, the six 30-minute long episodes will stream worldwide, and the story focuses on the European front during the one-year war, made famous by the first Gundam anime. Uh, the story centers around Iria Sorari, and the mecha include uh, the Xeon Mobile Suit Zaku 2 and the Federation Mobile Suit Gundam. Uh, Australian actress Celia Massingham from DC's Legends of Tomorrow and Ladies in Black voiced the lead character and performed motion capture for animation. Um, the staff at Sunrise and Safe House is producing the anime entirely with Epic Games' Unreal, An uh, Unreal Engine 5. Um, Gavin, uh... yeah, Gavin Hignite, we're going to talk about this in a second. Gavin Hignite from Tekken Bloodline, Transformers Cyberverse, and Star Wars Resistance. Um, is writing and German artist Erasmus Brostow from Origin Zero at Warhammer 40K's The Lord Inquisitor Seed of Ambition is uh, directing the project. Naohito Ogata, Mobile Suit Gundam Wish for Mercury and Mobile Suit Gundam Thunderbolt and Hignite are also serving as executive producers and Hiroaki uh, Yura is producing. Um, Manuel Augusto Dishinger Mura. Hiroaka Yura sound familiar? I have no <laughs> idea. Familiar. Um, is the main character designer and Kimitoshi Yamane from Cowboy Bebop, Escaflown, and multiple Gundam projects is the mechanical design supervisor. Um, and then the music is composed by Wilbert Roget II, which is a cool name. Um, but yeah, so, um, you know, the elephant in the room is that it's being uh, animated entirely with Unreal Engine 5. Um, and I have I have looked at the promotional video, Dan. I definitely recommend you do so as well. Um, it is interesting. Um, the people don't look good. Uh, I'm gonna say that right off the bat. The people don't look good. The the, the how do the mobile suits look? The mobile suits look okay to good. Um, and you know, I, I hope it doesn't turn into one of those things where they just like where the whole show is going to be just them in mobile suits and they just never show the people because the people are hard to do. Um, but I have a feeling that that's, that could be what it is. Um, the alternative to that though, is having like animation sequences with people and then they just suck, which is also not ideal. Um, so I don't really know how this is going to turn out. I, I, I am interested in the plot because this, the one year war is really interesting. Um, and has a lot of, you know, stuff to explore, um, well, it seems like it's going to be a self-contained story, too, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, we there's room for that kind of thing. 
Um, it's just it's interesting that this is gonna be this this is one of the moves that they're making after the huge success of Witch from Mercury um, is going back to the one year war um, with this new animation. Which so. I- I think, because this was very clearly planned well before, you know, Witch from Mercury even, you know, release. Yeah. So I, I have to imagine they were like, okay, we're going to do this, like, radical departure from the typical, but don't worry, right behind it we have, like, more of more of the same, you know, story. Yeah, which I don't necessarily think that's what they need, but, but that's a thing that's happening. So, um, you know, I'll keep an eye on it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's basically an OVA six 30 minute episode, so I'll watch it. Um, but I'll be honest, I don't have super high hopes, uh, for the animation just cause Unreal Engine is great for video games, but video games are not what you're looking for when you're watching anime. Um, well, you also, the video games are made over a six to eight year span oftentimes, especially the ones that look like the where the people look good (laughs) yeah so like it and and anime productions are on a much tighter timeline than that so (laughs) yeah um so that's that for uh requiem for vengeance um we'll keep an eye on it going forward um next up animate international uh announced at its panel at anime expo on saturday that animate usa will open a retail store in the del amo fashion center in torrance california this summer um, the location will be close to Animate, uh, Animate USA's warehouse. The location is the fifth largest mall in the United States. Um, and that retail center also already has Japanese stores such as Uniqlo, Book Off, and Sanrio. Um, the new store will be 3,843 square feet in size with a 313 square foot event space that will be used for pop-up shops and promotional events. Uh, the store will sell anime merchandise such as keychains, acrylic stands, button badges, uh, figures and books, among other products. Um, this is interesting because Yay, anim- animate stands. Yeah, um, animate is actually a really huge brand in Japan, um, and seeing them expand into the United States is is kind of more evidence of how um, widespread interest in anime has become. Because um, like if you if you you can Google um, pictures of the big animate store in Tokyo. Uh, it's enormous um, because it's a very huge brand out there, and they sell they. Not only do they sell a ton of manga, but they also sell a lot of merch. Um, so it's kind of cool to see that coming to the U.S. Uh, I would like to see them do an East Coast location. Maybe we'll do a pilgrimage someday. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, on our way to the um, Pokemon Oban Festival, mm-hmm. we'll stop in California. There you go. Um, but finally, um, our, for our final story here in anime news. Um, the staff for the television anime of Kanehito Yamada and Tsukasa Abe's Free uh, Run Beyond Journeys and Manga debuted its second promotional video on Friday. The video previews uh, more of the character voices and announces that the anime will premiere with a two-hour special on September 29th. Um, it will be the first ever television series to premiere uh, on NTV's Kinyo Roadshow, a Friday evening programming block usually reserved for feature films. Uh, the anime will then air later episodes in October in NTV's new anime time slot. Uh, Viz Media has licensed the manga and it describes the story thusly. The adventure is over, but life goes on for an elf mage just beginning to learn what living is all about. 
Elf mage Freerin and her courageous fellow adventurers have defeated the Demon King and brought peace to the land. But Freerin will long outlive the rest of her former party. How will she come to understand what life means to the people around her? Decades after their victory, the funeral of one of her friends confronts Freerin with her own near immortality. Uh, Freerin sets out to fulfill the last wishes of her comrades and finds herself beginning a new adventure. Um, Keichiro Saito from Bochi the Rock is directing the anime at Madhouse. Tomohiro Suzuki from Aka 13 Territory Inspection Department, One Punch Man, Boogie Pop, uh, and several others is in charge of series scripts. Reiko Nagasawa from Tactop Destiny is designing the characters. Evan Call from Violet Evergarden, Josie the Tiger and the Fish, and Muv Love Alternative is composing the music. Um, Yamada and Abe launched the manga in Shogakukan's Weekly Shonen Sunday magazine in April 2020. The 10th volume shipped on March 16th, and Viz Media will publish its 8th volume on June 20th. Um, the manga has won several awards, including the New Creator Prize for the 25th Annual Tezuka Osamu Cultural Prize in 2021, and the 14th Manga Taisho Award in 2021. Uh, in addition, the manga was nominated for Best Shonen Manga for Kodansha's 45th Annual Manga Awards in 2021, and the 46th Awards in May 2022. And the American Library Association's Graphic Novels and Comics Roundtable included the manga in its top 10 list of 2022 Best Graphic Novels for Adults reading list. Um, so I think what is huge here, what the, the big news is that it's going to have a two-hour first episode. Um, and I think that's important because the early chapters in this manga are very emotionally charged. And oh, yeah. splitting them up into a couple different episodes I do not think would work well for the storytelling. Um, so I'm really glad to see that they're doing this, this feature-length first episode, really. Um, which I imagine might even cover the entirety of like the first volume. Um, I think that's that's where they're headed with it. Yeah, which would be really great um, because there's such a such a complex and emotional story that's being told, it, it, particularly in that first volume, that I think it lends itself well to a two hour long running time. So I'm really excited for this and very much looking forward to it. Um, well, and and I think that Oshinoko showed that it can work really well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, definitely a test case for that. Uh, I just finished the third volume myself, um, looking forward to starting the fourth, um, and looking forward to this one coming out. I can't wait to watch it. I mean, we, we've talked about it before on the podcast, but for anyone who hasn't heard us before, this this story is amazing. Yeah. Um, it, it really... It just kind of makes you look at life in kind of a different way when you see it through the perspective of someone who lives unimaginably longer than you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it does a very, so, a very interesting job with its story. I And especially with the person from Bochi working on it, I think this is going to be a strong contender for anime of the year. Yeah, and also if they put in some really sick guitar solos, I wouldn't be mad about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that about does it for this, uh, you know, this episode segment of anime news. Uh, let us know what shows are you looking forward to? Uh, you know, Bochi the Rock. Are you going to be watching the new Spice and Wolf TV anime? Did you like the old one? Um, are you astounded by the amount of Dragon Ball Z movies that that exist and are now or will soon be available? Or are you going to rock some of that My Hero NBA collaboration fashion? Um, 
let us know. You can send us an email at thebestboyspod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at bestboys underscore pod. You can't find us on Twitter because Twitter's broken, but we would love to hear from you. Uh, don't forget to tell your friends about us, rate and review five stars, the whole nine yard. It helps us out a lot. Um, and with all that being said, I think it's time for us to do a, a beautiful backflip into the meat and potatoes of this week's episode. Best Buds, it's time for us to talk a little bit about a game you may or may not have heard of called Shogi. Um, Bless you. Thank you. Um, So Shogi, what is it? Is it Japanese chess? Um, Like you mentioned in the beginning, yes, actually, kind of. Some people who don't know about the history of, of Shogi get upset when you refer to it as Japanese chess, but it's actually more, um, that's pretty accurate. Um, But before we dive into the history of Shogi, um, Best Boy Dan, what is your what 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 is the extent of your knowledge of of Shogi? Why don't you tell tell me a little bit about what you know about the game? Um, I'm a Shogi master. Oh, okay, like cool. Ten times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Do, what's the name for a Shogi master? By the way, uh, don't look at the doc, Mister Shogi. Yeah, okay. <laughs> they just call me Mister Shogi. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> Um, and I know it's where you have the little like pentagon shaped wooden pieces and, um, you sit and, uh, you have a lot of like dramatic inner monologues while you play. Okay. And, um, you can kind of use it to defi- to decide the fate of the world sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Um, or just, you know, to, um, to escape from soul crushing depression. Mm, I don't know about that, but <laughs> I, I so you can try. All joking aside, my my experience with shogi is is pretty much only through anime, um, and most specifically through um, March comes in like a lion, which we will talk about later. But it, the main character is a shogi professional shogi player, um, and that gets like into it a little bit. I think that's probably where I learned the most about the mechanics of it. Yeah. Um but that's like that's really more about the like world of Shogi than the actual game itself. And then also in Hunter Hunter there's like a, a game of Shogi that basically decides the world and it's used as a as an excellent dramatic tool, but they do not get into the actual game itself. <laughs> yes, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because it's not actually Shogi they're playing in Hunter Hunter. It is a game derived from Shogi called Gunji. Um, oh, but it, it is derived from Shogi, so it is relevant, and we'll talk about it. Um, but yeah, you, you know, I think you, you, <laughs> it's 4D you, Shogi. Yeah, um, it's actually closer to the truth than you, you might know. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, the um, yeah, you know, most people probably you're probably you know more than most people about Shogi. I would say in that case, because most people don't really know much about it, and that's fine. That's why we're here. Um, I think uh, March Comes in Like a Lion does do a fairly good job of doing like a basic introduction of like how the pieces work, how, you know, the game is structured, um, especially because they do that like little children's book thing, the the sequence that they have for like two episodes, which is kind of filler, but it's interesting to see them explain how the game works. Um, 
But I'm going to dive in. We're going to start at the beginning. I mean, we're going to work our way all the way through the history of Shogi up until the modern day. Um, and uh, where we're going to start um, is uh, in India, actually. Um, so Shogi and chess are likely descended from the same Indian strategy game, Chaturanga, um, which became popular in the 7th century A.D., uh, from there, it migrated westward, eventually becoming chess in Europe, and then it also migrated northward, uh, becoming Zhangqi in China, which I'm mispronouncing, but I'm not sorry, uh, and Zhangqi in Korea. Uh, at some point during the 10th to 12th century, the game made the jump into Japan, where it mutated into a number of variants, some of which we'll talk about later. Um, one of these variants was called Small Shogi. Um, as it was played on a smaller board than some of the others, and with different pieces, unfortunately, the drunken elephant piece from Dai Shogi was removed somewhere along the line, which is sad because I Ooh. like... Yeah, right, I want a drunken elephant piece. That sounds really cool. Um, I also like the dramatic thunder in the background happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are we are currently experiencing a thunderstorm here uh, at Studio WEB, so if you hear that, you're welcome. So this is serious stuff. This is, this is ASMR <laughs> anime uh content um but anyway this uh this this variant known as small shogi would later evolve to become the modern shogi that is played today um and the rules of modern shogi were largely set by the 16th century with its current roster of pieces having been established um so the way it works is each player begins with 20 pieces one king one rook the literal translation of which is flying chariot one bishop or angle mover, um, <laughs> two gold generals, two silver generals, two knights or katsura horses, uh, two lances or incense chariots, and nine pawns with the literal translation of foot soldier, which makes sense. Um, and all of these pieces, except the king, can be promoted by reaching the furthest third of the board, which is effectively your opponent's territory. Um, now, huh. so it's like checkers meets chess. Kind of, but it's about to get a little more complicated than that even. Um, because one of the most unique features of Shogi, and one that sets it apart from its many other uh, cousins in the chess family, are the rules for what are referred to as drops. Um, essentially, when you capture an opponent's piece, you get to keep it. And on your turn, instead of moving one of your pieces, you can drop a captured piece, unpromoted, onto any empty square. Um... Now, there are a few rules involved. It's not just anarchy with you just throwing pieces wherever you want. Um, for, <laughs> right in your opponent's eye. Exactly. You, can, you cannot put a, a, your, one of your pieces into your opponent's body at any point in time. Um, Boom. <laughs> now, for example, uh, a drop cannot capture an opponent's piece, nor can it result in a promotion, although you can do both with that piece on any subsequent turn. Um Additionally, pieces may not be dropped on spaces where they would have no moves. Uh, we'll do more on piece movements in a minute. Um, a pawn cannot be dropped onto a column that already contains an unpromoted pawn. Promoted pawns don't count for this. Um, and a pawn may not be dropped to give an immediate checkmate. Now, interestingly enough, that last restriction only applies to pawns. Any other piece can be dropped on the board and result in immediate checkmate. Um... Yo, that's yeah. stressful. Right? So uh, additionally, this doesn't apply to checks either. So you could drop a pawn or any other piece and immediately put your opponent in check. Um, 
this, in addition to the promotion rules, adds an entire new dimension of strategy to a game that would otherwise pretty much look like Western chess with different pieces. Um, you don't know, you not only need to be aware of the pieces your opponent has on the board, but also the pieces that they have in reserve and where they could possibly be dropped and vice versa. Um, this, uh, this dynamic also accounts for the, the relative rarity of draws in modern shogi compared to Western chess, where draws at the highest level of play are exceedingly common. Um, in fact, most, uh, most like grandmaster games. Wow. That was loud. Uh, of chess are uh, end in draws, as a matter of fact, if, if you, you you best buds out there aren't familiar with the chess world, which uh, I don't recommend being uh, familiar with the chess <laughs> world. It's uh, it's pretty shitty. Um, so uh, a quick interjection. Yeah, this, whatever it, questions you have, ask them, a game. ask them along the way. Yeah, this reminds me of a game I used to play uh, when I was a kid. So when I was in junior high, I was so cool that i spent my lunches in the library playing chess with some other people right <laughs> um and whenever we would have four people together we would play doubles chess oh i and know basically this. like yeah you'd have two people on either side and whenever you took one of your opponent's pieces you could give it to your partner so you would play as like white and they would play as black so whenever you like took a, your opponent's black piece, you could give it to them and they could put it on the board. Yeah, so th that variant actually is quite popular and it has another name. I don't remember what it is, but I know that a variant of that variant is called Bug House. Um, and yeah, there are, there are a lot of weird variations of chess. There are actually also a lot of variants of Shogi. The one that we're talking about today is what we would consider modern Shogi. But there are a number of other variants of Shogi that are played on different size boards that have different pieces. Like I talked about the Drunken, drunken Elephant. Um, that version, variant of Shogi, Dai Shogi, um, while not the prominent you know, version of shogi that is played competitively today, um, is still played in a, a number of like areas in Japan where it is like uh, traditional. Um, and there are there are variants of shogi that are played that do not include drops or don't include promotions um, and, and some of the other things that are common to uh, shogi today. Um, so it's interesting to note that not only shogi, but also chess in general, uh, has many different variants that, while they might not be the standard way to play, are ways that people have found to play over the years. Wow, that was loud. Yeah, it, it's interesting because you kind of see that uh, all over games, right? Like, I just think about how many different versions of poker there are, too. Absolutely. Yeah, very similar concept because it's one of those things where house rules, we, we think of them as like, oh, right. these things that we do because we don't feel like playing a certain way. But that's how games evolve is through house rules yeah. and things like that. Um, oh, yeah, that's a good point. So, you know, and that's how chess has evolved, you know throughout the years as well like that the game chaturanga that uh, india um played it's not like you know a different culture got that game and just decided well we like this game but we're gonna make it different it started as them playing that game and then eventually you know they decided they like to play it this way and enough people decide that they want to play it a certain way and then it becomes a, a variant and sometimes it becomes the dominant variant um you know ga game history is actually exceedingly interesting uh, but i'm not gonna get too deep into it um, because we don't, that's for a different podcast. Um, that's for our gaming podcast. Yeah, which we have. Um, 
Anyway, uh, let's take a break from the history for a moment uh, to talk a little bit about how these pieces move, which will give us some insight into how Shogi is both similar to and differs from Western chess. Okay? Um, so let's start with the king, all right? The king can move one space in any direction, right? Sounds familiar. So same as regular chess. Yeah. Exactly. The same as a regular king. Now, oh, there's no queen, I just realized. There is no queen, uh, but there is something that... So there are two pieces that sort of approximate a queen, and we're going to talk about them in a minute. Um, we also have the rook. The rook moves exactly the way a rook moves in Western chess, uh, in a straight line forward or to the left and... Uh, forward and back, left and right, okay? The bishop uh, is called the angle mover in Japanese for a reason, because it, again, moves diagonally in any amount of spaces and uh, in any diagonal direction, okay? So that sounds familiar. Now we're going to get into some things that maybe don't sound familiar. We have the gold general. Now, the gold general can move... Uh, it, this is a, an audio podcast, so it's a little difficult for me to explain, but I'm going to do my best. Um, the The... The gold general can move almost like the king, right? So imagine that it can move one space in any direction except diagonally back into the left and diagonally back into the right. So it can move one space back, one space left, right, forward, diagonally forward left, and diagonally forward right. Now. Yeah, so basically, like, if a king can move eight spaces, the golden general can only move six spaces. Exactly. Various spaces around it. Right. Now. The silver general um, is also similar in that it can move one space forward, one space forward diagonal to the left and diagonal to the right, but it cannot move left and right, and it cannot move directly backwards. What it can do is it can move diagonally to the rear, one space to the left or diagonal to the right. Um, so kind of like you said, how it is like the the gold general it can move like the king minus two. The you know, silver general can move like the king minus three. Um, moving on, we have the knight, which moves the same way as a knight would in Western chess. Um, it can move, you know, up two and to the left one uh, space, jumping over any pieces that it encounters along the way. Um, it does not have to, it, it does not have to, it, it can't be blocked in its move by other pieces. Um, so it does look like, though, with that one, can it move backwards or can it only move forward? It can only move forward, I believe. Um, let me double check So that's that. interesting to note. And once we get through that, we'll kind of talk about it a little more because I have some thoughts on the strategy with that. Uh, let me double check. Yes, because it, it can only move forward, but again... Um, it promotes at the end, and when, when it promotes, it changes its movement pattern, and we'll talk about promoting in a second. Um, yeah. So uh, after the knight, we have the lance. The lance is a piece that is a little bit different from Western chess in that it can move forward any amount of movement and directly forward, but it can't move any other direction. It can't move to the left, to the right, to the rear. It can only move straight forward. Um, and then we have the pawn, the lowly pawn, uh, which, like in Western chess, can move one space forward. That is it. It does not have, like a pawn in Western chess, uh, a diagonal capture, and it does not have a an en passant move. Um, or a double move in the first space. Or a double move in the first space, yeah. Now, uh, we're going to talk about some promoted so, pieces. Unless, oh, you have a question? So, uh, just... Before we even get into the promotions, the kind of thing I want to highlight specifically different from chess, because I, I, I know chess 
pretty well. Yep, you're better at it than um, I am. So it, what I think is interesting is, especially without like a queen, it makes, at least in the initial game, because uh, I don't know about the promotions and, and Best Boy Justin's going to tell us about that in a section, second, but like the rook and the bishop are exceedingly powerful uh, in this, because usually the queen is the most movable piece but but these two are mm -hmm. so they have the largest range on the board so that makes it a a very like closer attack game right because most of the pieces require you to be within a certain distance of them to actually like combat each other yes that's correct um, and also with so many of the pieces limited to forward progression um it it makes there be a certain like progression to the game yeah so one thing um, one thing i will tell you about shogi as compared to western chess is that defense is way more important in shogi than it is in western chess um because of the way the pieces can move and because of the nature of drops and promotions um if you are not very cognizant of the defense of your king you can, at any moment in time, very suddenly find yourself in check or in checkmate, even in some cases. Um, well, yeah, the drops add when you when you were like 4D is like not far off. It, it, you have to think about like usually you're just worried about like your opponent's pieces, but effectively you have to worry about your pieces too. Like exactly. Can this piece be used against me if I move it here? Yeah. So when right? you... like if I give them this piece, they can put me in checkmate. But if I give them this piece, they can only put me in check. Right. And yeah, because, you know, as well, as somebody who is familiar with chess, Dan, I'm sure you're familiar with a lot of strategies um, that involve a sacrifice. Like peace sacrifices are fairly common in chess. Um you have to be very careful when sacrificing a piece in Shogi because when you sacrifice a piece in Shogi, you are giving your opponent a weapon. Um, mm -hmm. So that is something that Which you have to be kind of makes of. sense in the battlefield sense, right? Like you slay someone, you pick up their sword. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as, as we're talking more about that, let's continue on with our promotions because some of these promotions get a little interesting. Now, um, the promoted Rook, has a really wicked name. It is called the Dragon King. Um, Dope. I want one. Yeah, and it basically uh, combines the moves of a rook and a king. So it can continue to move forward, backward, left, and right any amount of spaces it wants, but it can also move diagonally one space. Um, Dope. Yeah, the piece is also sometimes called a dragon. Um, now, the promoted bishop uh, is called a dragon horse, and it moves as the combination of a bishop and a king. Um, so again, you have the diagonal movements, any amount of spaces in any direction, in addition to one space forward to the rear, to the left, and to the right. Um, this piece is also known as a horse, which is interesting because in Western chess, a lot of times the knight can be interchangeably referred to as the horse. However, in Shogi, the knight cannot be interchangeably referred to as the horse because its promoted form is called the horse. Um, the dragon horse. The dragon horse. Or, so, like I said, often, often sometimes just the horse. Um, so these two pieces, when you promote your, your, your rook and your uh, knight, make up what is the approximation of a queen. 
in Western chess. So in order, imagine if in chess, in order to get your queen, you had to get your pawn to the rear of the board. Now, we all know well, promotion. That, that is one thing you can do to get a queen. Exactly. But you also start with one. You do not start with one in Shogi. And again, yeah. like we mentioned, you know, promotion exists in um, Western chess, but it is limited to only the pawn. Um, and the last row, with this being the back third of the board, that means you have to protect that area right. much more. And it, the reason it's the back third is just a, a function of the way um, the board is laid out in, in Shogi, because you have the, the, the first rank, which is all pawns, of course. And in the second rank, you only have um, pieces on two squares. So in the second rank, you have... Uh, pieces on the B2 and uh, C, D, E, F, G, H2. The the B2 and the H2 squares. Sorry, I have to do that every time I count. Um, and, and so the it's kind of, it's it's set up in a bit of a different way. Um, but yeah, the, you're... Yeah, it's you're, three rows deep instead of two. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's an, another interesting way that promotion differs uh, in, in Shogi from Western chess. Um, but moving on, we have some other um, promotions available. Uh, and the interesting thing about that is the rest of the pieces that we're going to talk about, um, you know, you can promote a silver general, you can promote a um, uh, a knight, and you can promote a lance and a pawn. I think I misspoke earlier when I said that the promoted form of the knight is called the horse. The promoted form of the bishop is called a horse, not the knight. Um but we, you can promote a knight as well as a silver general, um, a lance, and the uh, promoted pawn. Uh, and what they do actually is basically they promote into a gold general. Um, so all of them end up with the same movement pattern where you can move a square to the front, back, left, and right, and also diagonally forward to the left and diagonally forward to the right. Um, all of them do interesting this. that all of them, yeah, turn into that. Yeah, they all they all do. So it, it kind of it, it it's basically a way because all of a lot of these pieces, for example, the pawn and the lance, they can only move forward. So the only way for you to gain any mobility with them after they have reached the end of the board is to promote them. Um, and in which case you can move backwards or to the left and the right uh, as a in addition to forward. It, but also making them only move backwards instead of diagonally backwards is is so much more limiting too and only one square as well so you can very easily right? if you're not careful with your pieces find a bunch of them that are trapped in the enemy's quarter of the board and you can't bring them back to your part of the board so in which case what you would have to do is either use one of your higher mobility pieces to get back to your part of the board or drop one of your captured pieces back on your side. Because you would think, oh, I can capture pieces. I'm going to just drop them all in my opponent's part of the board. But if you do that then you and you also advance your own pieces, you no longer have a defense on your end of the board, right? So it, again, we're, we're adding more layers to the strategy and how it differs from Western chess. Um, another, another, you know, most of the, all of these other promotions, they're just referred to as 
promoted silver, promoted knight, promoted lance, and promoted pawn. Um, but the the promoted pawn does is often referred to as, by its Japanese name, even by non-Japanese players, uh, and that is uh, tokin, um, which translates to promoted like soldier or something. Um, but uh, yeah, any questions about the movement patterns or any 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 comments that you wanted to get in about that best boy Dan before we move forward? No, I think I've got most of them in. I just I, I the I'm I'm just struck by how interesting the promoted movement is. Like especially with only being able to move directly backwards. It yeah. adds such a just different way of handling those pieces. Absolutely. Yeah, it is a very interesting system. Um, and it, I think, it, it, you know, it is something to consider or it is at least worth noting that because of the way these various systems work, you have solved what many consider to be a problem with Western chess, which is many times high level games end up in draws, um, whereas that is not necessarily always an option with Shogi. Now, I will say this. Many games of Shogi while they do not end in a draw, do end in a resignation rather than a checkmate. Checkmate is actually in in high-level shogi play extremely rare because there comes a point where when you look at your board, you look at the materials you have to use and what you have in reserve, and a, a high-level player knows that they cannot win at any point. And we'll get into etiquette more in a little bit, but it is actually considered extremely rude to continue a game when it is obvious that you cannot win. Um, so that's uh, something to keep in mind. Um, but moving on, now that we have an understanding of the pieces, let's dive back into some history-adjacent stuff, and we'll talk about that etiquette that's expected of shogi players. Um, so some of these rules sound pretty simple, like greeting your opponent respectfully before and after the game, right? That's normal. Uh, avoiding disruptive actions. Um, and... You know, the definition of disruptive actions is kind of nebulous, but like things like um, I have to imagine America's disruptive actions and Japan's disruptive actions are very different. Yeah. So things that can be considered disruptive actions in Japan would be like arguing, arguing that you, oh, I never took my hand off this piece. You know, it's not I didn't place it yet because Japan also doesn't have the same touch move uh, rules that that Western chess has. Um, basically, the way Japanese chess works is it's not touch move. So say I take a piece and I put it on a square, but I don't take my hand off of it. I can move that back to where it came from if I change my mind and I can move another piece. But once you take your hand off of that piece, it is moved. Um, and it is also considered not only it's not only OK to, but it is considered um, part of good play for you to adjust your pieces so that they look neat on the board and they are centered in each square. Um, you are allowed to and encouraged to do this. It is actually considered very rude for you to have pieces all over the place and not centered in their squares, looking shoddy and weird like that. Um, I like, only play shogi aesthetically. Exactly. If you're not going to look cool <laughs> while doing it, then what's the point of even doing it? Um, but uh, other things, um, disruptive actions like flipping the table, obviously, um, or scattering the pieces uh, in resignation, um, it is considered, you know, good manners and is generally required that you announce your resignation gracefully once it is clear that you can no longer win. Um, obviously, this 
you know, at lower level play, players may not have enough experience to know that they have um, they don't have enough material left to win. But at the higher levels, it is expected of, you know, higher level players to know when they can't win any longer and to resign gracefully. Um, You know what I love about that, though, is like that opens up like such wonderful opportunity for like just super passive aggressiveness yeah well because you would think so but it is actually kind of it is not it is worse to lose a game and not resign at a proper time than it would be to just lose right so like if you lose you lost a game but if you lost and it has been obvious that you've lost for like 10 turns and you refuse to resign it is like a like a huge insult to your character and your abilities um hmm. so you would okay, think so it's the stain is more on you than like yeah. a, a a slight to the other person exactly so like if you were to draw like out they a would game, play it out and be like oh really this is how you want to do this they wouldn't be like how dare you <laughs> yeah no it would be more along the lines of like they would look down on you like oh he doesn't know he's lost he's you know he he got <laughs> here by he got here by accident he's an idiot he doesn't know that he's he, he can't win anymore it's like that interesting so it's almost like you would want to resign because it, people would look higher. Yeah, you. because it speaks to your. If they were like, "Oh wow, he he knew right away that it was over." He's, you know, that was a good game. Yeah, it doesn't just speak to your character as being you know somebody who's a graceful graceful in defeat, but also as your you know as a as a player with your abilities, right? So it, it speaks to your ability to identify what is going on on the chess uh, on the shogi board and know that there are no avenues for you to win. You know, the earlier you recognize that, you know, even though you're losing, it's still a demonstration of skill, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that I thought was a very interesting um, facet of, of shogi etiquette. Um, but there are other forms of etiquette that are very clearly descended from the game's history in feudal Japan. Uh, for example, there are actually two different kings in, mo- in many shogi sets. Um, there is the king, which is drawn with the char- the kanji character for king, which is kind of like an eye with an additional cross thing in the middle. Uh, and then there is the jewel, or also referred to as the jeweled king. Like there's a, the, in, if they're both being referred to together, they would be referred to as the high king and the jeweled king, right? And the jewel or the jeweled king is the same as the um, the kanji for oh, king. Thunder. What's that? Big Thunder. Yeah, Big Thunder. Um, it's the same as the kanji for king, but there is an additional mark in the bottom right corner. And this kanji can be translated as king, uh, as jewel or as treasure or as like, you know, things, something like that. But it is generally referred to in English as the jeweled king or jewel. Um, and basically uh, what happens is the king or high king is reserved for the player considered to be the higher ranking either in social status or actual shogi ranking. Um, and the, the the lower ranked player would use the jeweled king. Um, it's kind of like the dynamic of the challenger versus the, the defender, like the defending title keeper. Um, mm-hmm. The higher ranked or older player also sits facing the door of the room uh, and is the person who takes the pieces out of the box. 
uh, professional players are also required to kneel exactly 15 centimeters from the shogi board and remain seated in the Seiza position throughout the game. Um, and that is where I would lose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, modern modern competitions these days, they have breaks and intermissions, obviously. Um, but yeah, it can be incredibly physically taxing just to sit in Seiza for that long. I don't know if any of you best buds out there have ever done martial arts or anything similar. Sitting in Seiza is incredibly painful if you're not used to it. Um, yeah, like it is it is something you have to actually do on a regular basis yeah so i mean there there is an element to it of physical stamina in addition to your mental stamina which i think is kind of interesting although that that does come into play a little bit with chess also because classical chess games can go on for for long long times um so there is that to consider in western chess as well um but speaking of professional shogi players, let's get some background on how you would become a pro player like Kiriyama from March Comes In Like a Lion, right? Because I know all you best buds out there want to become pro shogi players. Oh, also question, are we going to talk about like how you hold the pieces? No, but we can. Um, very briefly. So just in terms of like the um, kind of... Uh, just way things are done in shogi yeah so the the or etiquette that's the word i'm looking for <laughs> yeah so the, there is there is a way that is considered the the proper way to handle shogi pieces and that is if again this is an audio medium so it doesn't translate well but you hold the piece uh with your thumb and your middle finger on each side with your pointer finger on top of the piece right um and when you move the piece, you're supposed to place it on the square that you want to move it, and it should be placed with an audible sound, like a click or a clack. Um, and you place it a little bit forward of where the, the center of the square is and then move it back to center it. That is what is considered to be the proper way to move a shogi piece. Um, again, as we move forward into more modern times, these restrictions have become looser, but there are still like, you know, if you if you watch play at the highest levels, many players will still handle their pieces this way. It is considered to be the proper way to do things. But yeah, did it, did that cover did that cover what you were looking for? Yeah. The board OK, cool. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so let's move into some uh, professional shogi stuff. While shogi does have a formal ranking system that actually re resembles the Don system of Japanese martial arts rankings, um, the most important achievement for a shogi player is to hold a tournament title. Now, what I mean by the Don ranking, that's what you would consider in the West as your black belt rankings, right? So in Japan, a black belt is considered a Don. So you have different levels. You have the first Don, Ichi Don, and in Shogi, it goes all the way up through Ninth Dan, um, which would be like a ninth degree black belt, right? But instead of in karate, we're talking about Shogi. Um, and this is actually exceedingly common for, you know, it doesn't, it is considered like when we talk about things like this, we generally refer to martial arts. But the this, this way of ranking in Japan is not limited to Bushido or, or martial arts. Um, there are a lot of different, um, things that are ranked in this way. So like flower arrangement, right? Believe it or not, has Don rankings. 
Um, yes, I love that. <laughs> yeah, Thing, things like that. Like, so it, it doesn't have to be like combat related. Um, you know, they, they, it, it is just a way for it is it is not like as you know it has been translated in the West as your black belt, you know, person. But the black belt is just a, a manifestation of what is supposed to be a representation of your ability and the recognition of your ability in a given. Um, skill set um so in this case they also use that system um in japan for shogi and um like i said it is important your don ranking is important but as we will come to discover a little bit later it's not everything the most important thing for a shogi player the the top tier achievement is to um is to hold a tournament title. And the earliest of these is the Meijin title, and it actually descends from what was once a hereditary title, not one that you gained through uh, a tournament. Um, in 1612, the Tokugawa shogunate passed a law giving endowments to top shogi players who were referred to as Meijin, which literally translates to excellent or artful person, right? Um, what's up? I heard you make a noise. Oh, no, I was just nodding along. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Um, the uh, This title became hereditary uh, within the Ohashi and Ito families until the shogunate fell, uh, whereafter it was conferred upon recommendation instead of uh, through your family line, right? Um, and things continued this way for a while. Uh, with the Japan Shogi Association, which was then known as the Tokyo Shogi Association, being formed in 1924 uh, amid the popularity of newspaper records of shogi matches, which the I didn't have time to include the whole story here because there's a lot to talk about here, obviously. But one of the most important things to the popularization of shogi was the newspaper. Without the newspaper, shogi would never oh. be as popular as it is today because... Um, Newspapers were not only a way for people around the country to hear about who had beaten who in what shogi match, but it was also a way for them. It was very common for for you to have an entire magazine, not even a magazine. It was actually a newspaper. It was an entire newspaper devoted to shogi news. So what the rankings were, who had beaten who what was coming up, but also shogi puzzles. Shogi puzzles are just like, you know, chess puzzles today are were incredibly popular and common in newspaper form. Um, and it is how a lot of people learned to improve their shogi was through newspapers. So I'm not going to go as deep into it as I could. Well, did you remember in March comes in like a lion, like part of his training is like he has like a whole bunch of like you know, different situations that he, like, looks through. Yeah, so those that is descended from these shogi newspapers, which are now, unfortunately, not as common as they used to be uh, with the death of print media happening right before our eyes. But um, they are sure still... A lot of it's online now. A lot of it's online now. It has moved online. Again, the same way it has with chess. Chess also has the same... Um, although it's not quite the same, it's not quite as, as tied to newspapers specifically... Um, it chess does have a long history of chess problems and chess puzzles being printed, usually more in books, although newspapers do uh, did carry chess problems for a long time. And even to this day, the New, the New York Times, uh, it used to be weekly. I think now it's monthly, does publish a chess puzzle uh, for readers uh, to solve. Oh. Um, but it is it is more intrinsically linked for Shogi to specifically newspapers. 
Um, and I could write a whole dissertation on, you know, the importance of newspapers to the shogi world, but I'm not going to um, because I don't I'm, I'm not in academia anymore. But um, <laughs> not not a lot of money in writing papers about about the history of newspapers and shogi. No, <laughs> there is far more money in the, 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 the industry that I work in now. But um, moving back into our story, um, this aside being complete, um, in 1935, the Meijin Kinjiro Sekine um, stepped down and the rank of Meijin would thereafter be decided by the winner of a title match, um, which, would call the, which would be called the Meijin Sen, which means Meijin Contest or Meijin Tournament. Um, and the very first uh, Meijin under this system was Yoshio Kimura, um, who won the title in 1937. Now, after World War II, which, again, there is an, a really interesting story in here about Shogi during the American occupation and how it was almost banned, but it, then it wasn't because a very famous Shogi master went before the, the occupation government and argued on behalf of Shogi. I don't have time to tell that story right now, but you should look it up. It's pretty cool. Um, there were, we'll save that for Shogi part two. <laughs> exactly. There were other matches that were promoted to become title matches, uh, eventually ending up with a total of seven or eight. I can't quite tell. It is confusing. Uh, I have seven down here. Uh, I think the, the Meijin is technically counted as the eighth, but it is also the overall title. Um, but the other ones, uh, the, the seven that I have listed here are the Ryo, the Meijin, the Eo, the Oi, Oza, Kyo, and Osho title matches. Um, there is a ranking to these titles as, as you know, which is more, which is more prestigious than the other. I don't know what that is. I, I don't fully understand it. So we're going to leave it to the side for now. Just know that there are different rankings for these titles that are yeah, considered more prestigious in, than like, others. In like tennis and golf. Like, you know, you win, like, this tour, it's, like, a little bit more, you know, prestigious than this tour. Exactly. Yeah, it is very similar to that in that respect. Um, now, modern shogi professionals are largely organized by the Japan Shogi Association. Again, we spoke of them earlier. Um, it was uh, it was established in 1924, originally as the Tokyo Shogi Association. They use a system called Shorekai, whereby talented amateur players can begin to gain professional status. Um, you can consider it like a semi-pro system. And once they reach the level of Kishi, they are considered to be professional players and are oftentimes paid for their performance in tournaments. Now, uh, I didn't include this in the outline because I wasn't intending to go very deep into it, but you did mention earlier about how Shogi is less problematic than chess, uh, and I will counter that with the fact that it is not as less problematic as we would probably hope it was. Um, and the reason why is because there is a fair amount of misogyny in the um, Shogi community. Shocking, I know. Oh, um, yeah, I believe. <laughs> basically, so... The shogi, shogi is not um, gender discriminated anymore, um, and it hasn't been for a long time, uh, for a large part of the Japan Shogi Association's history, but um, there has never been a female professional shogi player or a kishi to the point where the word kishi is a gendered term. If you refer to someone as a kishi, you will know automatically that, they're a, that they are male. Um, 
it, it, it there it, it's so it, it's so set in stone. Um, there is a separate, uh, you know, even though women can be a part of the um, the Japan Shogi Association, uh, there is actually a separate women's Shogi Association. It was established in 2007, I believe. Um, and they have their own, um, you know, set of, of high-level competitors, but they are not considered to be pro-Shogi players. Even though some of them are paid certain amounts, they're definitely not paid on the same level as their male counterpart. And like I said... Do you know if it's the same as, like, um, other sports in Japan where you have to get licensed? I don't. I'm not 100% sure how this, this Shoreikai system works. Um, I do know it is based on your results in tournaments, partially, but I'm sure there is probably also a component of which that functions as a gatekeeping mechanism that keeps women out. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, to this day, it is it says a lot to 2023, you know, even with women, you know, establishing their own Shogi Federation um, and becoming more involved in the game, um, there has still never been a professional female Shogi player. Um, that says a lot. So, um, you know, that is something to consider when we talk about the problems with modern Shogi um yeah but how many nazi shogi players are there probably fewer than you would think but more than you would hope i don't know yeah um unlike chess where there's a lot yeah but uh moving on from that um once they reach the level of kishi they like i said are considered to be professional players and oftentimes paid for their performance at the highest levels of shogi uh players are actually paid quite well um with the highest earner uh, in 2016, which is the, the 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 year that I have dates translated records for, um, taking home 91,500,000 yen, which translates to about $633,000 um, in today's wow. money. Um, not a bad, not bad for a year's pay playing shogi, right? Um, uh, and just wrapping up our, our discussion of some tournament stuff, uh, the current Meijin is uh, Sota Fuji, who holds six out of the seven titles, which is interesting because wow. the the next the the person who holds the, the the seventh title is Takuya Nagase, who is ranked fourth. Right, he's fourth uh, seated in 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 Japan for uh, shogi ability. But interestingly enough, while uh, you know while both uh, Sota Fuji and Takuya Nagase are ninth dan. Uh, shogi players there is one player i believe who is ranked third or is he the third or second who is technically higher ranked than takuya nagase but does not hold a title however um he is lower ranked in his don ranking being only an eighth dan instead of a ninth dan um, so that's that's why I said that the the way that the the ranking system interplays with the title system is very interesting. Um, yeah. You can be lower ranked and still be a better player than someone else, but not be considered higher ranking because you don't have a title. Basically, um, some of it's just like pedigree, almost. Exactly. Yeah. Of course, because a lot of people they they come from. Um, you know, ma like they learn under masters who have very high reputations in the shogi world. 
Uh, they also come may probably come from prominent shogi families and and things like that. And again, like we said, a, a lot of this has to do there. I'm sure there is a, a fair amount of gatekeeping involved with this professional system, um, given that it's not it's probably not an accident that there has never been a, a professional female player. Um, and I'm sure well, that you mentioned the family thing, at least March comes in like a lion makes it seem like, you know, there's, you know, dynasties of show sure. players and like, yeah, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that, that is absolutely the case. And, uh, you know, now that we know everything about Shogi, I didn't leave anything out. We covered the whole thing. Um, Let's talk for a little bit about shogi in anime before we wrap up the episode. You know, I this this section will be a little less structured. I just kind of wanted to chat um, a little bit about shogi in anime. We'll talk about a couple shows that feature it or its variants. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll just round out the, the episode that way. How do you feel about that, Best Boy Dan? Sounds lovely. All right. So first, the we're going to talk about the, the elephant in the room or the, the drunken elephant in the room if you're playing Dai Shogi. Um, and that is March comes in like a lion. This is probably the most shogi centered anime that we have, um, or at least that I'm familiar with. Um, Best Boy Dan, what are your what are some of your thoughts about the show and about what you now know about shogi? I mean, if you've listened to the podcast for a long time, you've heard me refer refer to this show as Sad Boy Plays uh, Shogi. Um, which is, or depression the anime um but yeah i like march comes in like a lion is one of my favorite shows of all time um it is such a dichotomy between a very realistic view on depression and then like what true healing can look like too mm-hmm. um Cause like I just like whenever he's at that like that one house, I just like there's something so cozy and warm about that that it like is just the complete opposite of whatever kind of depression he's having. Um, but it is aside from that element of it, because it, it's definitely very much that story, but it's also the story about like this Can- young boy who has kind of not known anything other than shogi in his life and kind of what living in that world can mean for someone. So there are definitely elements of shogi in the show, but I think more than anything, it's about the world of shogi and how people deal with it and, you know, depression and all that sort of stuff as well. Um, Yeah. But um, the lifestyle of a shogi player in and of itself is very interesting. You're livelihood is dependent on your performance of this kind of like slowly dying art form (laughs) of a game um so it's interesting yeah and i want to talk more about that but i actually want to interject for just a moment because i noticed something interesting i heard a thunder come from your microphone and then i heard Uh the same thunderclap come from outside my apartment and i realized that a very astute listener if they were if they were very could good calculate at math, how far apart we are exactly could figure out how far apart we live based on that information so if you are a best bud out there who can do that i would be very impressed um but i also thought that was cool <laughs> anyway moving back into um march of the lion you're absolutely right i think the and this is i think common 
with Shogi's depiction in anime and media in that we don't really get a show that is about Shogi itself, right? Every show that we can really talk about has Shogi as a a set piece through which the rest of the story is told, right? So even with Marchums and Like a Lion, which is the one where we get the most, you know, um, intense or or studious depiction of Shogi, um, it is not necessarily the show is not about Shogi, right? Shogi the is actual, uh, like game of it, yeah. Yeah, Shogi is is what the story is being told through, right? Now that being said and i think i think that's an important point too because like i i included like a link in this page uh to for best boy justin of like all of the shows anime shows that include shogi scenes in it and i was shocked by how many shows and also like how many shows that you know we've seen and i just maybe didn't even think about like they there's an episode of cowboy bebop where there's a shogi match like in the mm-hmm. background or as like part of a, a storytelling point and and it, it is interesting because it is such a touchstone uh, culturally in Japan in a way that chess isn't, I think, um, necessarily in the United States, that it, it is so frequently used as a piece to tell a story. Yeah. Um, what is also notable about that episode of Cowboy Bebop or not that episode, but but Cowboy Bebop in general, is that there is an episode of Cowboy Bebop that f- features a shogi match, and there is also an episode of Cowboy Bebop where a Western chess match is the center of the action um, in that show. So, interesting to know. Which is a nice juxtaposition of the East and West of that show. Yeah. Um, but moving back into Marchum's Like a Lion for a moment, um, because one thing that you mentioned that I think Marchum's Like a Lion does really well is it depicts the lifestyle of the average shogi player pretty well in that. So a lot of the things that people will wonder is, oh, a, 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 a t- like a high schooler can afford their own apartment by playing shogi? And the answer is, yeah, kind of, because... Um, you know, I didn't do I don't have all the numbers about what like, you know, what a shogi player of his level would be making per month or per match or whatever the case may be. But we do know that he has at one point made a bunch of money and now continues to make money somewhat regularly playing shogi. And, you know, when you when you consider he the doesn't cost live of living opulently. Yeah. Well, when you consider the cost of living in Japan, which I do have numbers for. Um, you know, renting a, a one-bedroom apartment in Japan outside of Tokyo, because central Tokyo is obviously more expensive, but outside of central Tokyo, your average is between 50000 and 70,000 yen, which is between five and $700 a month, which is manageable. You know, that's yeah. not, that's not, oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I wish my rent was <laughs> costed that. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> so, you know, um, I think it, it is definitely... You know, while maybe not, it's not like something that everyone could do. It is theoretically possible for a high schooler to pay their own way just by playing shogi uh, at a professional level. Um, And it is possible for people to make their living, maybe not opulently, like you said, um, maybe not necessarily saving for retirement, although Japan does have a fairly robust uh, welfare state um, and social safety net. Um, to live your life by by honing your craft at shogi, and I think that is something that is 
uh, interesting and is definitely unique to Japan because in the U.S. or in the West in general, while you can make money playing chess, unless you are like a grandmaster, you can't you can't live your life playing chess, right? You can't make a living off of it unless you are competing at the very highest levels. Whereas in Japan, you can make a living at it. And while you can make a very nice living at it, if you are at the very highest levels, even if you're not, if you're just a regular professional shogi player, there's a pretty decent chance you can do that as your primary or even only form of income. Um... So that's what I kind of really thought was very interesting about the depiction of Shogi in March Comes in Like a Lion. Um, was there anything else you wanted to add to that, Best Boy Dan? I mean, I could go on for hours about March Comes in Like a Lion. I, You know, it, it's a great show, and, and I recommend it to anyone who uh, likes uh, a drama, I would say. Um I think that's important for that show. Like it is a drama, um, but if if you are into those sorts of shows, I think it's one of the best anime has to offer. Mm. Absolutely. Now, the next show that we're going to talk about, um, again, it continues in the kind of the frame of shows that use shogi as um, a vehicle through which they tell their story, and that is when will Ayumu make his move? Um, <clears throat> this is actually adapted from a manga that I read, um, and ba the basic premise of it is that this guy, he used to be in the kendo club, but he falls in love with a senpai who, um, is in the shogi club, and so when he moves into high school, he decides instead of, instead of continuing in the shogi team, or not the shogi team, the, uh, the kendo team, he is going to join the shogi club, and when he can finally beat his senpai in a in a in an even non handicap match, he will confess uh, his love for her. Um, and while I don't think it's as rigorous in its depiction of shogi as March comes in like a lion is, um, <clears throat> it does get into a lot of. Um, like nuances of the uh, of the shogi world. For example, the promoted pawn is the favorite piece of um, the 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 senpai that he's in love with, um, and the reason why she likes it is because it gains. She she talks it like it's basically from a philosophical level. It goes from this piece that can only move one space, one direction, and it gains so much mobility after being promoted. And it is true that very often the promoted pawn is one of the most important pieces in putting together a checkmate. In fact, if I'm remembering correctly, and I might not be, um, because my shogi knowledge is a little rusty, I did learn how to play it, and I did play it somewhat regularly for like, I don't know, about half a year. I was never good at it um, because I'm also not good at chess, so I don't know why that skill would... <laughs> I don't know why I would magically be good at shogi instead, which is more complicated. But Harder um, chess. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I'm not good at chess, but what about harder chess? No. Um, <laughs> but uh, from what I remember, it is... You do need a pawn to place another... To place the king in checkmate in um, shogi. Uh, which I think is different. I believe you can force a checkmate without a pawn in Western chess. Dan, is that true? I'm not 100% sure. Um, yeah. But it, I'm pretty sure in Shogi, you do need a pawn involved to force a checkmate. Um, 
so you know that 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 is why the pawn and the promoted pawn are very important uh, pieces. It's interesting. It makes it one of the more important pieces as opposed to one of the more sacrificial pieces. Yeah, because like it's you know it is referred to as the foot soldier, but it is still a very important piece. Um, and I think that that's one thing, you know, like I said, the show is not about Shogi. It's a romance slice of life that uses Shogi as a vehicle through which to tell its story. But, uh, it does so in a way that I think is fairly faithful to people who enjoy this, the, the, um, the, the game of Shogi and also depicts like, so, you know, at one point where, when Ayumu is trying to improve his, you know, his Shogi abilities, um, one of the things that his senpai lends him, she lends him just a mountain of sh- books of shogi problems. And that is how he he learns to improve his play. And I think that is something that is is common to not only shogi, but also chess in that a, a lot of people use puzzles and 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 problems and scenarios as ways to learn uh, to improve their game. Um mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that was a, a very good representation. Best point yet. I, I don't remember. Did you did you watch this or no? Uh, I watched the first couple of episodes mm-hmm. of it, um, but I didn't stick with it. Yeah, I do think the manga is better. Um, <clears throat> we are, you know, I think I forget how many how many chapters I'm in. Probably like two hundred and something. And we are finally getting towards the arc where the confession might happen. I don't know. Um, well, see. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, take that for what it's worth. Um, but this next one, Best Boy Dan, I know you're familiar with. Um, so why don't you take it away a little bit and I will interject as necessary. Yeah, so um, this takes place during the Chimera Ant arc, which is arguably one of the best shonen battle arcs well, of all time. Why don't we t- tell them about the show? For, what's the show? Uh, and that is Hunter Hunter. Yeah, there we go. Um, and uh, Shogi is kind of the backdrop to the the kind of like end game of this arc, where you essentially have um like the most powerful villain uh that uh, they have faced in the show to date um and uh, ostensibly uh the villain kind of learns his lesson through shogi um by playing against this uh kind of like blind snotty uh shogi master um who's like because his whole whole deal is like he's the you know perfect being he's smarter than everyone stronger than everyone like you know he's trying to create like a master race sort of thing but he can't beat what in every other respect is like a weaker more feeble creature uh less smart anything but he just simply cannot beat her and it's it's a really interesting look, and it's kind of reminiscent of um, war games, right? Where there's, like, you know, when you game it out, there's no, like, real way to, to like, win. Um, and and that's kind of, like, what he realizes is he's, like, he may be, like, perfect in, in 99.9% of, like, every aspect. But, like, there's this one, like, person who just, like, 
Shogi just makes your brain move in a different way that he just can't get on her level. So I am um, I am going and, to interject here. Um, this is I think this is yeah. a good place for me to 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 interject. So the the game that they are playing in um, Hunter Hunter is actually not Shogi. So um, yeah. this is a game that was actually it's uh, the the author of Hunter Hunter invented. Um, Hmm. And it oh, is cool. it uses shogi as a base. It is what you would consider to be a variant of shogi, um, because believe it or not, people do play it. Um, it is it is a real thing now. Oh, cool! Yeah, people actually do play it. <laughs> uh, it is called gunji, and um, it, it differs from shogi in a couple key ways. Now, um, one of the most important is that instead of twenty different pieces, there are thirteen. Um, but uh, unlike in Shogi, some of the pieces, not all of them, can be promoted more than once. In fact, any piece that can be promoted can be promoted more than once. Um, they have different tiers. So they're considered like tier one, tier two, and tier three. Um, and basically, it like you know, much like regular Shogi, their promotion changes their movement patterns. Um, the pieces are also different. So you have pieces like... The major general, the archer, the musketeer. Um, you have a fortress piece. You have a cannon piece. Um, Whoa, yeah, <laughs> you have a spy piece, which actually moves like the queen once it once it's been fully um, fully promoted. Um, it is a very interesting game. Um, there is um, you can play it online. Um, there's like a website you can play it on. I think it's gunji.io. Um, and, and the pieces, <laughs> and that's a porn site. <laughs> it probably, um, and it, it's interesting in that um, you can you can stack pieces on top of each other. It's called it's called towering, and basically, um, I, I don't under I don't fully understand this game. I'm not going to pretend like I do. It's it's I. I looked it up because you said Hunter Hunter had Shogi and I didn't remember it having it Shogi. So that's why I looked it up and I found out that it was actually Gunji. Um, for, for all intents and purposes, a variation of Shogi. Yeah. Um, and, and there is some mechanic whereby instead of occupying the same space or capturing, you can make a tower. You can stack pieces on top of each other. Um, and that has something to do that like affects their strength in and whether or not they can be captured in some way. It's a very interesting variant of, of Shogi, I will say that much. Um, and I think it, it, it's re it's really cool that it was invented for this this manga and later anime. And then um, people started playing it in real life. Um, and it is yeah, it, that's awesome. It is a combination from what I'm reading here of Go and Shogi. Um, oh, okay, that so makes sense. I think that's pretty cool. Um, anyway, I just wanted to correct you on that front and 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 give a little bit of background there. But if you want to if you want to continue, uh, if you have anything else for yeah, I mean, well, that's like that's pretty much most of what I have to say with it. I think it, it, this more than anything is a way to kind of. Uh, again like not necessarily like showcase the game specifically but like use it as a storytelling element and it, it makes for like i like i'm not kidding when i say like this is one of the best 
shonen arcs of all time like the way all of this plays out and and a large part of it is built up by this kind of like game that is happening in the background yeah absolutely um i think it's pretty cool and uh you know maybe one day we'll get a gunji set and we'll play um because i'm not good at chess and i'm not good at shogi but if you combine all of those with go then maybe i might be good at it I was going to wait to the end of the episode to say this, but I definitely bought a Shogi board on Amazon while we were recording oh, this. Oh, did you really? Interesting. <laughs> It'll I'm, be here Friday. I'm curious to see how well you take to Shogi. Um, you you didn't fun. have to do uh, that. It's, it's, can... I got like a little like uh, uh, magnetic travel one. You didn't have to do that um, because uh, have you ever heard of Lee Chess, the, the chess website? Mm-mm. So Lee Chess is like a... Um, a non-commercial, like a non-profit chess website. It's one of the bigger ones. Um, it is basically the non-profit competitor to chess.com. Um, and uh, there is a variant of Lee Chess called Lee Shogi. And you can play okay. and learn how to play Shogi online on Lee Shogi. Uh, is it .com? I don't remember. Um, is it what? L-I or L-E? L-I. L-I. It's Lee Shogi.org. Um Okay. So cool. if you want to, if best buds, if you want to learn how to play Shogi, um, you can do so on LeeShogi.org. Um, so uh, anyway, continuing on, um, we there was one more show I wanted to talk about that had Shogi as an element to it, and that's actually Naruto. Um, and one of the, so do you you remember Shikamaru, right? The 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 character. Um, yeah, he's yeah, like the, the super smart one. Yeah, he's like super smart. He's like a tactician. Um, and this actually, I feel like, follows one of the same formulas that chess does in um, in popular culture, where basically chess is used as a touchstone to indicate that the the character is smart and able to come up with plans and calculate and things like that. Um, but in this case of Naruto, it, it it doesn't just do that. So like, yes, he is depicted as being like a strategist, like a very smart person. He comes up with the plans. He thinks two steps ahead. Um, and this is shown visually and thematically by his his, you know, the the his relationship with the game of Shogi. But it also Shogi is... Oh, yeah, I forgot. He, like, plays with his, like, um, mentor and stuff, too. Oh, and his he plays with his dad. Um, and that is the other... One of the other important things that Shogi does in this show is it... it, it w- one of the lessons that his dad teaches him through Shogi in one of the episodes is that he... The way he plays is, like, a very defensive way to play. And he kind of uh, dovetails this with his philosophy that... You need to protect the village because the children are the future of the village. And without the children, you know, there will be no future for their for their society. Interesting. Um, like the pawns. Kind of. Yeah. I, I, I don't fully remember the metaphor. I just remember where it was going. Um, and that is kind of a, a very interesting way to use Shogi, not just as a way to show that a character is intelligent, but also to show showcase the way they view the world. Um, and the the kind of um, the motivations behind their decision making, um, and I thought that was really cool. Um, 
so yeah, any any uh, anything else about shogi and anime and pop culture you wanted to talk about before we wrap things up for today? No, I what I kind of my my wrapping up thought for all of this is um this this month is crazy for best boy Justin and I and we were like, uh, we only have like one day we can record this. What should we talk about? And like, I kind of threw Shogi out there um, because it's, you know, of like things like March comes in like a lion and Hunter Hunter. And it, you know, we wanted to do an explainer episode because it's been a minute since we've done that. And, you know, I honestly, I didn't even expect, you know, this episode to become as, you know, fleshed out and, and thorough as it is. It, Shogi is just such a a rich game both in Japanese culture in anime and and just like in interest like the it's it is interesting both the like kind of dynamics of the world around it um the actual game itself and and all and how it's used to tell stories so it really something so innocuous but such a huge part of culture so uh, fun to share it absolutely I, I think this is one of those things that maybe not a lot of people know about yeah uh, you know it's definitely not as popular as chess um i feel like a lot of people know a lot of people have heard the the word shogi before and they they know it's japanese chess but um you know i'm glad that we could you know hopefully shed a little bit of light on the history and the the modern culture around shogi um, and you know, maybe if, if any of you, any of you best buds out there are inspired to learn how to play, let us know. I'll set you up with an online match with best boy Dan, um, and we can have a showdown. Uh, and if you win, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I, I don't anticipate I'll be particularly good at this game. <laughs> if you, if you win, then you get to inhabit best boy Dan's body for one week. Um, and what is this? The hero is already dead. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, you know, thanks for tuning in. Um, I hope you guys learned something. I had a lot of fun putting this together. It's one of those topics that, so I have a number of topics that I know a lot about that I never have an opportunity to, to talk about. Um, so this was fun for me to, to kind of dump AKA that knowledge. the whole reason we made this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it was a nice excuse for me to dump this knowledge into the world. So I hope you, uh, you all enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I hope you enjoy, Best Buds. We'll see you next time. Yeah, we'll see you next time around. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, until next time, uh, make sure you promote your pawns. Yeah, and get ready for summer 2023. <gasps> Cue the music. Let's go. Let's <laughs> go.